Hello and welcome to the Crystal Clear Podcast. My name is Crystal and I'm your host. Today we're going to be talking about the spiritual world. This will be part one of our talk and there will be several more of these episodes about the spiritual world. It is a fascinating topic and I think you'll find it to be very compelling and very interesting. So the question that I'm asking you today is, do you believe in the spiritual world? Have you experienced the supernatural? Have you experienced definite spiritual events in your life? Uh, Jesus said that man is spirit, first of all, primarily before anything else. He said man is a spirit being and that the body is secondary. The physical body is second to the spirit. So we are spiritual beings who live in a body not the other way around. There are frequencies and dimensions that exist in the world that science has proven that exist in the world. And for example, there are frequencies existing that our human ears are not made to hear. There are sounds and frequencies that are so high or so low that other animals in creation can hear them, but human beings do not. Um, If you gave a dog, um, if you blew a dog whistle and the dog heard it, he would respond um, because he can hear those things. His ears are equipped for that. But human ears don't pick up on the same sounds because the equipment that is in our ear does not pick up on those frequencies in the way that the equipment of a dog's eardrum can pick up on it. So it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist just because we don't hear it. Um, It definitely does exist. We are just limited in our ability to hear it. And so in the same way, Jesus said that unless we are born of the Spirit, we cannot see the kingdom of God. There are things that exist that we can't see and that we can't hear unless our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears are opened and tuned to the frequency that exists. So... The mind of man does not hear or understand the things of the Spirit. We have to be born of the Spirit. We have to be awakened by the Spirit. And otherwise, we cannot see and hear the things of God. So, in the same way that frequencies exist that you can't hear in the natural, they also exist in the spiritual that you don't hear. And uh, the fact that you don't hear them doesn't negate them. And it doesn't mean that they're not real. They are, in fact, very real. So I'm just going to go through a a few things today as a beginning point. Um, Just a couple of experiences that I've had. And I'll give you about five things. And then on the next couple of episodes, I'll go into more more in-depth and more details um, on other types of spiritual experiences and events. So the first one that I want to tell you about is when I was 20 years old, My husband and I lived in Dallas, Texas at a Bible school called Christ for the Nations Bible College, and he was a student at the time, and we lived at the campus, and I was a student at the University of Texas in Arlington, and um, I was working on uh, studying to be a teacher, and so my husband was working on theology degree, and um, I was working at a bookstore 
It was called Family Christian Bookstores, and it was a spiritual-based bookstore uh, very nearby to the school. So the campus of the school where we lived was a beautiful campus. It was surrounded in a black metal fencing, and the parking lots had high metal fencing all around the parking lot. And they were locked and the gates were shut. And we never felt unsafe. We never felt afraid, even though we lived in the middle of a bad neighborhood at that time. The area around the school was not a good neighborhood. It was called Oak Cliff. And back in 24 years ago, um, it was not a good place. Uh, Just stepping outside of the campus was not a great thing to do if you were just walking around. Um, So we never felt unsafe on the campus because there was like an amazing uh, protection and amazing peace there. So at night, um, our apartment on the campus was nearby to the highway. And at night, it was a regular sound to hear police helicopters flying around Oak Cliff. They would have their bright uh, police light from the helicopter looking down all over the land, all over the roads for criminals. And we regularly heard People tell us not to go to local grocery stores because there was robberies at gunpoint. People would rob you. There were shootings at the grocery stores. Um, Our apartment was on the highway going toward downtown Dallas. So we could hear all these sounds at night. We could hear the sirens. We could hear the helicopters. We could hear everything. And it was, there was a lot of sound at night. So Oak Cliff was known to be a high crime area. Uh, anytime we left the campus, you could feel the shift, like you were going into another world because it was a shift. Oak Cliff was very rough and it was probably the worst neighborhood in Dallas 24 years ago. So I never actually felt fear about being there because we felt directed to be there. We felt very strongly that God moved us to be there for the time that my husband was studying at the school. And we knew that where God called us to be, he would take care of us and protect us while we were there. And so one day I was leaving the campus to go to my classes um, at my college. And just as I pulled out onto the feeder road from the parking lot of the apartments, I drove probably 10 or 15 seconds um, down the feeder road. And my very old car, I had a car that was probably at that time, uh, maybe 20 years old. I don't remember, but it was just very, very not good condition. Um, We couldn't afford very much. And so I had this old car and it died in the middle of the road, the feeder road in Oak Cliff. And I was about to make the U-turn underneath the overpass and head back towards Arlington to go to my class but I never made it into the left lane to take the U-turn because my car was dead and it was sitting in the middle of the feeder road. And there was three lanes and I was in the middle lane. And um, so I locked the doors of my car and firmly decided that I was not going to get out of the car for any reason. Um, I thought it would be a better idea just to begin to pray. So I closed my eyes and I began to pray and I said, God, send me help. God, send help for me. And I wasn't begging for help. I was just asking for real help. So back then, we had no common cell phones. There was no cell phones. Um, It was 1998. And if there had been cell phones, we definitely would not have been able to afford to have one. 
So I called on the one who could help me, which God always helped me. So I still had my eyes closed and I was just whispering the words, God help me. And it startled me to hear that this man knocked on my window. About 20 seconds after I started praying, a man was knocking on my window. And he was a very nice looking African-American man. And through my window, I could see he had on a red business shirt that had a collar and a word was actually embroidered into the top left shoulder and the word said car specialist it was very interesting car specialist so because his shirt said that and because he looked trustworthy I rolled down my window a little bit at the sight of his title and he said to me ma'am I see that your car is stopped here and there are three vehicles behind you to help you. One is my car. Uh, Behind me is a tow truck that will take your car home. And behind him is a rental car agent who can help you get another car. I'm going to ask the man in the tow truck now to bring your car home for you. Where do you live? So I told him I was just a few blocks down at Christ for the Nation's campus. So he told me that they were going to push my car into the parking lot that was right beside us, then hook up my car and take it home. And that's exactly what they did. All of this took literally five minutes and I was in the tow truck going back home. And all I remember is that the tow truck guy's last name was Velasquez. But the main man that helped me never said his name. The rental car guy gave me his card and said that he could help me if I needed a car while I was waiting to get mine fixed. And I could not have imagined when I prayed how thoroughly everything I needed was covered and how immediately when I was in need, the help arrived. These men were sent ahead of time, long ahead of time, to be at the exact place where my car would break down in a very dangerous area. If you know Dallas, and if you've ever lived in Dallas, you know that traffic in the morning can take hours to get to where you're going, uh, especially in the rush hour of traffic. And they were there sent as the answer before my need ever came. And before my problem ever arrived, God had sent the answer for me. And before you know your need, God has sent the answer. Yes, we do have to ask And often we wait for the answer, but he is aware of those who put their trust in him and he will not overlook your trust. In fact, he is drawn to your trust and he responds to trust. That's what faith means. When the Bible says that God wants our faith, it means our trust. And the word that you need to think of is trust. And he's aware of those who put their trust in him and that he will not overlook it. So the second example of a spiritual experience um, was another car situation. Um, I had a the same old car, but it was previous to this particular time when I told you the first story. So I, I was from um, a little town in South Texas, and it would take me about five and a half or six hours to get to Dallas from home. So I would drive home to, like if it was a holiday, 
And then I would drive back to Dallas for the two years that my husband was going to Bible college. So we had the same old car. Um, I forget the name of it, what it was, but it was very just old and not reliable. And so I was driving from my hometown back to Dallas, very long drive. And this time my sister was with me. And at the time I was 20 years old, so she was 13. And I had been married for about between half a year and one year. And so my little sister was with me. And we drove the way from our little town back up to Dallas. And as we were getting closer to the main Dallas area, we were coming up to a town called Ennis. And Ennis is about 30 miles south of Dallas. And so we were going to pass through Ennis, but just as we got to Ennis, which really at that time, 24 years ago, it was, there was nothing there. It was, it, when you looked around, it looked like you were in the middle of nowhere. And it's probably very different now, but um, back then there was nothing there. And so <clears throat> my car died on the highway as I was driving, going full speed, my car just stopped working. And so thankfully there was an exit that was very, very close. So as my car was just rolling along, I coasted it off the highway, coasted off the feeder road, and there happened to be an old gas station that looked abandoned and it was sitting in the middle of nothing. There was nothing out there in the middle of nowhere. So our car coasted into the gas station. It wasn't even on anymore. So I parked it and my sister and I got out and walked in because we did not have a cell phone. So we just walked in to find a payphone to go and try to call my husband and see if um, we could reach him. So we weren't able to reach anybody. Um, and so we went back out to the car, and as we were walking back out, um, there was a lady who looked to be a grandmother. She looked to be about 65, maybe 70. And she was in um, a long car that looked like a, an older, um, maybe like an older Cadillac or something like that. And I think it was a golden color. And so she rolls her window down and she sees me and my sister. And she said, y'all need a ride. And I said, well, um, our car's broken down and I'm trying to call my husband. And she said, where are y'all going? And so I told her that the street that I lived on was called Keast Boulevard. And she acted like, she said, well, I live on Keast Boulevard too. And I just, I was shocked because we were 30 miles from one of the largest cities in Texas. And there's so many people that live there. And she lived on the same street I lived on. Okay. So I said, I live on Keese Boulevard. She said, I live on Keese Boulevard and that's right where I'm going. You don't even have to tell me how to get there. I already know the way. She said, come on, uh, just get your stuff and come on with me and I'll take you home. And once again, um, I have a good sense of if people are trustworthy and I have a good perception of people. And she had her grandson with her who looked to be about 10 years old. And she was a very trustworthy person. So my sister and I really didn't have any other option. So we got our bags out of the um, car 
and locked it up. And she brought us, she started driving us back towards Dallas. And I always had a sense inside of me from God that if something was right or not right, um, peace in my spirit or a lack of peace. And there was definitely a peace that this lady was doing the right thing. So she drove us to all the way to our campus, all the way to our parking lot and brought us home without me even having to tell her the way. And that lady was already waiting at the gas station whenever my car broke down and God sent her ahead of time to be there whenever the need arose that before the need came, the answer was already provided and he did not leave us without help. And the Bible says that God watches over the way of those who trust in him and he guards their way. Uh, the next um, one that happened was also in Dallas. Um, there was a time when my sister, when she was visiting me, she wanted to go to the zoo in Dallas. So I was going to take her on a day trip to the zoo. And we got dropped off at the zoo by my husband. And then he was going to go to class and then come get us later. So we went in the morning. And while we were there, it started raining really hard. And it started raining so much that we couldn't walk around the zoo anymore. So after we sat inside of a um, like restaurant in the zoo for a while, we just decided to see if we could get on the bus to go back home. Um, because it was just maybe, I don't know, maybe 15 minute drive to get back to the campus. So we went to go wait at the bus stop at the zoo, right outside the gate of the zoo. And I was new to living in Dallas. So I didn't know that the bus line was not a good way to travel. I did not know that there was a lot of crime that happened on the bus line. So my sister and I went out to wait and it was raining. So we were walking over to the bus stop and we had some paper uh, trash bags that we were holding over ourselves so we wouldn't get soaked. And when we got over to the waiting area for the bus, there was two covered, two covered waiting stations. And at one of them, we noticed that there was about five guys that looked um, like maybe like a Hispanic gang. And so the other bus waiting area had a lady in it. She was very tall, very large, and she was this very strong-looking African-American woman, and she was holding a big white Bible in her hand, the way that you would hold a purse. She was holding a Bible, and she was like much taller and much bigger than those guys, and so she looked at us coming, and she said, girls, come on over here. They won't bother you if you stand by me. And so I was just amazed that she was there. Um, so we went and stood by her. And while we were standing by her, like, she could have knocked down any one of those guys. And so she was, like, protecting us from them. And so she talked to us, and she asked us if we had any food in our backpack. And we did, and we gave her some and shared it with her. And then all of a sudden it stopped raining um, while we were standing there and the sun came out and it looked like it wasn't going to rain anymore. So my sister and I decided to go back in to the zoo and finish walking around. 
So we did go in, and I always remembered that um, incident as the woman being there as a way to protect us because I didn't even really realize at the time what a bad thing it was to ride on the bus, the public bus line. But that lady was there at the right time. And um, the fact that she was holding a white Bible to me is very, very interesting and significant. Um, and I, I definitely don't think that anything is an accident. And I don't think that uh, anything is coincidental. I think that everything matters. Um, I think that what we do matters. And I think that what happens matters and that there is significance all around us if we pay attention. Um, Another example of a spiritual experience, um, one time later in later years, I had children and one of my children, uh, she was, we lived in the country and she always had this spot that she liked to go sit. We lived in the country and there was lots of beautiful trees and lots of woods And she liked to go sit right by the gravel road of our driveway. And there was a fallen tree that had fell a long time ago. And she would go sit on it like it was a chair. And she said, Mom, I'm going to go sit on that spot. And that's where she always went. And I was doing laundry and just like listening to music. And I distinctly heard the words, um, pray that she's not bitten by a snake and I wasn't even thinking of snakes I don't generally worry about stuff like that I don't think about it I don't get you know fearful about it or anything like that and so I had this real strong sense inside of me inside of my core that I needed to pray those words so I prayed that she would be protected and that she would not be bitten by any snake And then I felt that strong, urgent feeling inside of me go away. And that's what I learned was the way the Holy Spirit would speak to me. And so when I would feel peace inside, I knew that I had prayed and that it was finished. But if I felt that urgency inside, I knew that I needed to pray about it. So the peaceful feeling came back. So I kept doing the laundry, finished washing laundry. A few minutes later, you know, Morgan comes back in the house. She's probably about seven years old. And she says, Mom, um, I was sitting on that tree and I saw a snake. And I said, oh, what, what happened? And she said, well, it came real close to my foot and it lifted up its head like it was going to bite me. And then it went away. And um, I said, show me what kind it was. So we looked it up on the computer and showed her different kinds of snakes. I asked her what color it was. She told me. I looked it up and she identified it as a poisonous coral snake. And it had the red stripes on it. And um, I know that that was definitely God protecting my child by my words and and getting me to speak out loud and uh, have an effect on that and our words and our prayers have a definite effect in the spiritual realm that's something that I've learned very much over the years that the words that we speak through trust in God the words that we speak through trust in his words have huge effects 
and huge impacts in the spiritual lives of the people around us. Uh, the last one for today is my brother. Um, my brother has always been very dear to me for many reasons, but one time he came to visit me whenever he was um, riding a motorcycle. He lived in Houston, and this was also when we lived in the country, so I would say it was about nine or ten years ago from now. And he drove into town during the day, and he came in on his motorcycle to visit, and he came over to the house, and we he stayed for two or three hours, and when he was going to leave, and I said bye to him, and he got on his motorcycle and went down the gravel driveway to leave, and as he was driving away, I would normally just waved at him. I got this intense like very, very turbulent feeling on the inside of my gut that he was not going to live through the day that he was going to die. And I felt like at that moment that I had to pray just the words that he would not die. I felt like he was supposed to live is what I'm saying, but that something was going to try to cut his life short that day. So I prayed the thing that I felt like that God was telling me. I felt like I should pray that he would live and not die and that his life would not be cut short. So I prayed that until I felt that it was relieved and that I didn't have that feeling anymore. So I went on about the day. Well, it was either the next day or two days later. I don't remember if it was one or two days later. It was very soon later. Uh, He called me on the phone and he was just talking about normal things and he said, Oh, funny story. Uh, remember the other night when I left your house? Um, I was on my motorcycle, and I went and played cards at a friend's house, and I didn't leave Orange until very late at night, like 1 o'clock in the morning. And he drove home to Houston, so he said he got to Houston downtown area around 3 o'clock in the morning on his motorcycle, and when he was driving... Uh, through the downtown area, there was this part when you're going through all the skyscraper area, the tall buildings, that you go over like like a, like a upward hill when you're going through downtown. And he said he was going over that part of the upward hill and he couldn't see what was on the other side. And when he was going full speed, like 70 miles an hour, he came up and there was a wreck that had just happened um, between two cars in the middle of the highway and there was nobody else around. And he said that... Um, a truck had stopped to help them, but when he came up over the hill, he instantly saw it all, and normally he said his natural inclination would be to go to the left of the accident because all the debris was on the right, and all the parts of the cars that had hit each other was scattered all over the road on the right, and he said that he, his natural mind said to go left, um, because he wanted to avoid the debris. But he said, and he said these words to me, I have no idea why I turned my bike right and went through the debris because it didn't make any sense and I didn't want to do that. And he said as he did it, he just drove through the side that he did not want to go through. And as he did, he saw that on the left side, a truck was stopped in the only available lane and that he would have hit it going full speed on a bike and he would have died. And he said the words to me, I would have died if I had gone that way. And I, it just struck me at that moment that that's why 
the spirit inside of me said, pray that he will not die and pray that he will live and that his life will not be cut short because God wanted him to remain alive for all the days that were written and God spared him. He took his bike to the right side of the accident and my brother didn't even know why he went that way. It was out of his control and he said in his mind he wanted to go the other way. So that was the hand of God. It was the preservation of God upon his life and the protection of God upon his life. And how many times has that happened to us in our lives that we don't know? Maybe we do know. Um, Maybe there's times that you do know. And if you do have instances where God has preserved your life, I would love for you to message me. I would love to hear of your story about how God has intervened in your life. I would love to have your story and perhaps maybe even have you as a guest on the podcast. So if you have something that you think would benefit and help other people to hear, please message me, let me know, um, and send me your contact information. I would love to get with you on that. Um, On the next episode, I'm going to talk about dreams and visions of spiritual nature. Um, I've had so many dreams and visions of spiritual nature that are supernatural, that are clearly supernatural. Um, I'll talk about the kinds of sources that dreams come from. And um, Jesus said that if you seek him, that you will find him. He said, if you seek me, you will find me. He also said, if you seek truth, that he would reveal it to you. And it's a, it's a a pattern of asking, seeking, and knocking. If you ask, it will be given. If you seek, you will find. And if you knock, the door will be open to you. And it's all about the intention of the heart. It's all about the true motive that's inside the heart. If it is toward God, if it is seeking toward God and toward truth, or if it is seeking toward yourself, God sees that. He knows what we are seeking for and what we are asking for. Let your asking and your seeking be toward God. Let it be toward truth in humility that he would reveal himself to you and he will reveal himself to you. I have stories about that as well that I will be recording in the next couple of episodes of um, spiritual reality and spiritual experience. So this has been um, very, very exciting to share with you. And I look forward to the next episode. And I thank you for being here. Until next time, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep looking, keep knocking, and the door will be open for you. Take care. God bless.